Again, to uh, I really am glad that you're here. Um, if you were with us last week, we're we're doing this series this semester through the uh, Book of Proverbs, and we're calling it Wisdom Calling. And basically, here's my kind of argument: is that 99% of life, at least 90% of life, is not black and white. It requires a lot of gray. It requires a lot of how do you apply what you know? How do you apply even what the what God's word says? So, like last week, we talked about that conversation we had with some of you guys about dating. The Bible doesn't say who you should date, how you should date. You know, there's a lot of what the, this category that we need if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to grow into strong, mature believers. This Bible has this category called wisdom that you, and we said last week that you, if you're being honest with yourself, you know, or if you have the humility, you know, part of what college is trying to teach you is that you don't have the wisdom it would take to live your life in this good, right, true, pleasing to God kind of a way. And what I want to do tonight is look at, we're simply going to look at wisdom and beauty. And what I mean by beauty is how you see your, your really, in some ways, you're, not just yourself, but your body, how, do you, how you handle your body. We're talking about physical looks. We're talking about your sexuality. We're talking about beauty tonight. And what does Proverbs have for us? What does God have for us in Proverbs about it? And I'm going to read, there's several, every week we're going to kind of gather the different Proverbs together that speak to a specific theme. So tonight... You see four of them. I'm going to read them for us as we get going. Here's the first, Proverbs 5. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. The Bible's not embarrassed of sexuality. We're going to just dive right into that. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with her forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Proverbs 11, like a gold ring and a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. And then Proverbs 30, three things are too wonderful for me. For I do not understand, this is a poetic device, to say this is crazy wondrous. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship in the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. And then lastly, Proverbs 31. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Let me pray for us. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to tie this together as best I can. Let's let's pray first. 
Lord, uh, we, you tell us that you love it when we come to you and ask for wisdom. And Lord, who of us here tonight feels secure in the way that we look, feels secure in the way that we handle our bodies? Um, Lord, would you give us wisdom to teach us what true beauty is, to, to teach us how to, to know and, and feel and be beautiful as those who belong to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, would you come and just give us, pour out your wisdom by your spirit for us tonight because we need it. We have all kinds of voices in our heads that are, if we're being honest, trip us up even as we came, even sitting in these seats tonight. Lord, would you be gracious to meet us in this place and do soul work, deep soul work in us that we might um, know your love for us and be drawn to you as the ultimate lover of our souls. We pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. So I've been studying for this sermon, and the fascinating thing happened, I just was doing that thing where I was in my Facebook feed, and, you know, something that just kind of grabs your attention. And the thing that grabbed my attention, apparently maybe you saw it, was this, this picture that's gone kind of viral this last week, really I think just a couple days ago. And it's just this woman, her name's Molly Gal- uh, Galbraith, I think is how you say it. But she posted uh, a picture of herself on the beach in Costa Rica. And it was just like a normal picture. But the caption, she said this. She said, this is my body. This is not a before picture. This is not an after picture. This just happens to, we- to be what my body looks like on a random Tuesday in December of 2015. It's a life picture. This is a body that loves protein and vegetables and queso and ice cream. And it went viral. Why? Because the thought of someone being confident in like a normal, like flawed body is crazy to us. Like, like, like that's why, that's why some of you, like you resolve, I'm going to like double down on CrossFit this year because none of us look at ourselves, guys or girls, and feel like confident in who we are and in our bodies. And there's another way to think about it. I mean, when we think about beauty, we all kind of have these, what we could simply call bullies in our heads. They're constantly telling us we're not beautiful enough, we don't look good enough, we're not enough, especially when it comes to think about our bodies and how we handle our bodies. And yet, part of what's crazy about thinking about beauty is so much of life is lived in how we see ourselves and how we handle ourselves, especially our bodies in this world. Our physical appearance, our sexual attractiveness, these consume us or can consume us if we're being honest. And so what the world does, does Proverbs have for us, if we're going to ever be kind of countercultural in the way that we see ourselves down to our own bodies, down to our own beauty, and the way that we even think about beauty, the way that we see one another. And this is, this is obviously, we're talking about, you know, we're getting into the realm of dating and marriage and sex. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But I want to broad, Proverbs broadens it out to say, how is it that we see our own selves and handle our own bodies in this world and see our own bodies in this world? And if we're being honest, it's a problem for us. But I wanted to kind of do what I think Proverbs invites us into is I just want to do three things thinking about these Proverbs and trying to put them together. First, I want to think about what, what we can simply call the wonder of beauty. Second, I want to think about just what we can simply call the problem of beauty that we all struggle with. And then lastly, I want to talk about what I'm simply going to call the healing of beauty. So the wonder of beauty, the problem of beauty, and then the healing of beauty. And let's just dive right in. What is beauty? Like, how am I defining that? Well, I think what's going to be, going to be clear if you listen, as I read, that it's much more than looks. Um, there are two proverbs towards the end that you see that, that make it very clear that it's much more than physical attractiveness. It's much more than simply appearance and looks. 
And part of what is so fascinating about these verses that I'm kind of drawn to is these images that it gives when it begins to talk about beauty. Look at them for a second, especially look at Proverbs 30. It gives these four images, an eagle in the sky, a serpent on a rock, a ship in the seas, and a man, or, you know, the NIV would say a man with his maiden, which is a little nicer in the, you know, when you read it. But essentially, a, a young couple, a married couple coming together, having sex, doing it. And the, the beautiful thing about this is, is there's a sense in which they're inviting us into this idea, which is simply this, that beauty is carrying and handling your very body in a way that's all about fulfilling its purpose with character. This is what you have to understand. I love the way that my friend Brenton Wood said it, that beauty is your body fulfilling its purpose with character. It's about, all about the way you handle yourself from the inside out. And there's a sense in which beauty is not about, Proverbs is trying to yell, yell at us, scream at us, beauty is not about having wide enough teeth, having toned enough arms, having flat enough or ripped enough abs, having model-esque enough hair, having big enough or not too big enough parts of your body, having long enough legs, having... that. This is what we think when you hear that word. That's why when you see these Dove campaigns, it's all about these women. And you see the campaigns where they ask that question, do you feel beautiful? And these women break down. And when they're told they're beautiful, they light up. There's a sense in which we've reduced it in our culture to pure physicality. Pure sexual attractiveness. And Proverbs is saying, it's like waving its arms saying, no, 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 no. You've totally missed the mark. You've totally misunderstood what beauty even is. Um, I, I love, there's this conversation that Eve Ensler, she's a, a woman who basically created the vagina monologues. And she has this conversation. She was in Nairobi, Nairobi Kenya. She's in this field with a Kenyan woman. And they start having this, this fascinating conversation about body image. And here's how the conversation goes. Uh, Eve, the, you know, the white American woman, says, do you like your body? And she looked at her and said, like my body, like my body, I love my body. I love my, and she starts looking, I love my hands, look at my fingers, my fingernails, little crescent moons. Look at my hands and my arms, so strong. They carry me along. And Eve just kind of stops. She's shocked. She kind of stops. She says, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. And the, the Kenyan woman says, what's wrong with your body? And Eve says, oh, I have this stomach. And the Kenyan woman stops her and she says, Eve, do you see that tree? Do you see that tree? Do you see this tree? This tree isn't pretty because it doesn't look like that tree. Is that tree ugly because it doesn't look like this tree? You are a tree. I am a tree. Love your tree. And part of what she's trying to do is she's trying to redefine beauty in this very Proverbs-esque way. And it's saying it's far more about the way that you handle yourself to your very body and fulfilling your purpose with character. That's what beauty is all about. And the reality is that and this is where this is the wonder of beauty. The eagle in the sky, the snake on a rock, the ship in a high sea, in the, this beautiful image of a man, and a, a husband and a wife having sex for the first time. There is this wondrous beauty of our fulfilling the very purpose for which we are supposed to exist with character and goodness and rightness and truth. And here's where we get to the problem. Because if you're like me, like, that sounds incredible. But if you're like me, your cynicism is just taken over because it sounds totally unreal. First of all, it sounds unrealistic to think that you or I could ever actually 
think that, that we could ever be that Kenyan woman in that field and think there are skinny trees and fat trees. There are tall trees and short trees. Be a tree. You're a tree. Love your tree. And like that's enough for us. Because I can see your faces and you're, you're internally pushing back on that very idea because we've been so shaped to think that beauty is this thing, this, this impossible standard. Guy or girl, that somehow you have this image of what beauty is and you're never going to get there. And part of what you're thinking, part of what Proverbs is trying to say to you is that you've totally misunderstood what it is. And the problem is that maybe you're thinking, okay, this sounds great. Okay, fulfilling my purpose with character. That, okay, what does that mean? That sounds great. But maybe you're saying like, even if, so even if I could get myself to that place where I'm going to really see myself and live this way and treat myself and live in my body this way, no one else is going to look at me this way. I'm still going to be like Netflixing and chilling way too much on Friday and Saturday nights because I'm not going to be asking dates because no one else sees it that way. We might talk all in this, this Christian idea of beauty sounds really nice, but like, no one's going to ask me out if I kind of like get content in that, right? And so we have this problem. And we could kind of, you know, we could kind of boil this problem down to really two things. On the one hand, we could say this idea of living in your body with purpose, you know, with character, that we undervalue that, especially in the way that we see one another's bodies. And this is where you have to get what this proverb is saying in in verse 30. So it's giving this beautiful picture of what even our sexuality is supposed to be, right? This supposed to be this beautiful covenant love kind of a deal. And then you look at that last verse, verse 20, and it talks about the adulteress. What does she do? How does she treat it? She cheapens it. She treats it like it's just like a McDonald's meal. Like Confession, I had two McDonald's meals today, which I'm not plugging. If you were in my car, there were like two, two McDonald's. Like one McDonald's bag is shameful enough. There were like two, one small breakfast bag inside of a lunch bag to try to hide my shame. But there's a sense in which like this is what she's saying. She's saying I've reduced my body and my sexuality to this thing. When I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm horny, I have sex. And, she's, and part of what Proverbs is saying, do you see what she's doing? She's taking this wondrous thing, her own body in this act, this wonderful thing, but she's, she's cheapened it, and he's cheapened it, and that's because we undervalue it. Uh, there's, the image is one of just sloppy eating, and part of why we do sloppy sexuality, part of why we do sloppy giving ourselves away, sloppy tendering, <laughs> sloppy hookup culturing, sloppy you name it, is because we totally undervalue this beauty that Proverbs is inviting us to. And, and so we begin handling our, our bodies without purpose, without character. But there's another problem, and the other problem is on the other side of it, is on the one hand, if we've maybe undervalued, especially sexuality in our own selves and the way that we treat each other and each other's bodies, we've also overvalued it. And this is where Proverbs 11 comes in. And it's saying to us, listen, a beautiful woman who lacks wisdom and character, and it's a really like upsetting image, is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Now the image that's power, the power that Proverbs is intending by this image is, think about the last time if you've had friends that got engaged. What happens when your friend gets engaged? The first, and you weren't there, like a lot of you were there, like there's so much pressure, I feel for you in this day and age, like there's so much pressure on engagements now. 
Like, one of my favorite clickle articles was the one where it's like, man simply asks woman to marry him without people around. And, you know, I mean, it's just like there's so much pressure to do this huge thing. But what happens when you come back is everyone, even, like, I'll do the thing where I'm like, oh, let me see the ring. And, like, there's genuine for me. I'm like, there's something about when you see a beautiful ring, you want to you bring it and you want to hold it to yourself. And part of the image in Proverbs is saying, what if you did that, but it was in a pig snout, and what you're inviting to yourself is this complete mess and destruction, an animal that rolls around and is just in its own stuff. And part of what you see what Proverbs is saying is saying, when you, value, when you overvalue beauty, especially guys, listen up, this is for us especially, because Proverbs is saying guys especially do this in a powerful way, where when you only... Look at a girl for her looks. You've, you've made a complete idol out of beauty. You, you've made too much. First of all, you've misread it, but you've made an idol out of this thing that will never fulfill you. That's why Chuck Klosterman says in this moment, a moment of honesty in Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs when he says, no woman will ever fulfill me, and I will never fulfill a woman either. Because he's basically confessing, I've made too much of the idol of looks. And when you overvalue it, it actually invites destruction. And part of what Proverbs is saying, there is a way of, of only seeing the physical, of only seeing looks, that is being a complete fool. Which is why the Bible it gives you the wisdom of the person you want to marry. If you marry someone simply for looks, you're inviting disaster. Because what about their character? What about their inner life? What about the way that they handle their own brokenness? What about the way that they handle Life, And if you totally only look at the outside of beauty, you've missed the mark and you're being a fool. So we undervalue what we do with our bodies and yet we overvalue how we see each other's bodies. And here's another way of saying it. We simply, what we're all really doing is taking our insecurities out on each other. And it's messing us up in deep ways. And guys and girls, we we could go around tonight and talk about how not feeling beautiful, or especially if you're a woman, being feeling like you're reduced to this impossible standard has actually begun to wreck your life. We could have story upon story, I would guess. And and what are we doing to each other? So I was thinking about as I was writing this out when I was uh, when I graduated college. My grandfather set this uh, account for us to get a fair amount of money when I graduated, and I was I mean I talk about being a fool like I. At first, I thought, okay, it wasn't like that much money, but it was enough to take all of it and maybe look at a nice used car. So this was the beginning of, I had this really, uh, really into preppy phase in college, and it was kind of ironic, but kind of not ironic. And so I decided, I got this money, I'm going to go look at Land Rovers. <laughs> and so I did. So I called up the Land Rover dealership, the one out on your way to Harbison, set up an appointment to look at this used Land Rover. And I'll never forget that because like every time I drive by it, if you ever you've probably never noticed this, but there's this little mini mountain like on this. Okay, have you seen this? So like we're I'm like test driving this Land Rover and we like drive up this mountain as if I'm ever gonna have time to go drive up mountains between like Netflixing and eating dinner with my parents. So I'm like test driving this Land Rover. And here's like as I'm thinking about this moment, here's when I look back on it was was so sad to me. Two things are really sad to me. The first is more about me. The second is more about you. The first was this. I, really, I was at a point in my life where I really was the, the, the largest I've ever been. I was setting new PRs when it came to my weight. And there was a part of me that really did think, if I have this car, I will like myself. And how sad is that? And yet, I still do it, and you do it. 
And the second thing, this sort of twisting the point a little, is this is what we do to each other, is that we kind of test drive each other. Sometimes we like literally do that in dating, but a lot of times we just do that like even in this room tonight. Because we've lost this biblical idea of covenant, of commitment, of committing yourself, even in friendship, to someone, much less marriage, and we've reduced each other to what we can simply call a consumer relationship, where as long as you are meeting my needs, as long as you're doing something for me, we're cool. As soon as you stop doing something for me, we're not cool. There's a real sense, and that's what's killing, killing us. And part of what we're doing is we're actually taking our own insecurities about our bodies and the ways we have not. Because here's the thing, if beauty is about you have not handled yourself, your body, most of all, with purpose and with character, then of course you don't feel beautiful. And all of the working out in the world is not going to make you feel beautiful. And so this is what we do. Like I have a list of things that I've done. Let's just go through them. We work out and hope it's going to make us feel beautiful. We stop working out because we don't feel beautiful. And being in the drive through at Chick-fil-A kind of makes us feel a little bit beautiful. We get new clothes, a new haircut, new shoes, and we still don't feel beautiful. We get into a relationship with someone we know, like, objectively we shouldn't be in a relationship with because maybe they'll make us feel beautiful. We eat like birds. We eat like cavemen. We eat like they used to eat in the 18 or 1900s, depending on how early it is, to feel beautiful. And we still don't feel beautiful. We starve ourselves to feel beautiful. We don't, or we do, and no one notices, and we don't feel beautiful. And because we don't feel beautiful, we get on Tinder, and we give ourselves away to people that we hope will make us feel beautiful. And all they're doing is treating us like they found the Black Friday deal of all deals, and they've gotten what they wanted, and they leave us, and we don't feel beautiful. And the question for you and for me is how in the world can we ever even be like this Kenyan woman who says, I love my body. I am beautiful. And and this is the last thing I want you to see, the the healing of beauty. And and let me just say, like, there are typically two ways that we go for it. The the first, I mean, you know both of them. They're familiar to you. Here's the first one. we, We call it the one direction way. You don't know you're beautiful. You are beautiful. Just feel beautiful. Just feel beautiful about yourself. And when you feel, I mean, like we hear all these cliches. You're, you're beautiful when you feel beautiful. Don't you know you're beautiful? You are beautiful. And it's, like, it's almost like this weird, like, trying to convince yourself that you're beautiful. And then, like, no one affirms that. No one says anything. I mean, this is why, like, we have moments, right? Like, I had a, like, I mean, this is maybe vulnerable. I don't know if guys, y'all feel this way, but I had a guy last night be like, man, you're wasting away. And I thought, I am losing some weight. Man. And I like lifted my spirits. And then I see a picture of myself in a wedding video. And I'm like, oh, I'm not losing weight. My face looks fatter than it ever has. Or I step into the scales. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is going well. Or I step into the scales more realistically after Christmas. And I'm like, oh, kill me now. And there's a sense in which there's, you, you know, just telling yourself that you're beautiful just doesn't work. And the second way is, okay, so you don't feel beautiful. Go make yourself beautiful. Get into CrossFit, Pure Bar, Bar 3, Whole 30, Weight Watchers. I mean, let's, we keep going. And uh, I mean, this is like, this is what made me sad about Amy Schumer recently. So, Amy Schumer, for a while, she was this like spokesperson of, I'm, a, I'm bigger, I'm a bigger girl, but I feel sexy. I'm not going to worry about being one of these thin little girls. And it was kind of, it was kind of impressive for her. I was like, you know what? 
you go, Amy Schumer. Like, preach. Like, as a guy, I'm saying this. And then I find out, like, a couple weeks ago, Amy Schumer, turns out, has started this fitness program to lose a bunch of weight and feel more beautiful, essentially. And so the second way that we try to make ourselves feel better is we, we do something, anything, lots of things. And the reality, though, is we're, we're, all we're doing is covering the shame and guilt of the real problem, which is, again, the reason you and I don't feel beautiful, strangely, has nothing to do with the looks the Bible says. And it has everything to do with the ways that we have not handled ourselves and handled our bodies with purpose and character. And the good news is that the gospel has something for us. And and that Jesus meets us in this place. And I think Jesus invites us to the healing of beauty in two really powerful ways. And the first way that Jesus meets us in this place is he shows up in the gospels and he completely redefines beauty. You, you know, if you grew up in the church, you've heard, especially around Christmas, Isaiah 53. Have you ever noticed though, it's that weird part? We haven't talked about it in a long time in our yet, but there's that weird part in Isaiah 53 where Isaiah says he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. And it's kind of a nice way of saying, like, Jesus would never, like, never could have made the cover of GQ. It was the furthest thing from that. There's a real sense in which Isaiah is saying there was nothing physically impressive or attractive about Jesus. The, 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 the blunt way to say this was he was kind of ugly. Like he would not have been Instagram famous. And yet, if you've ever read the Gospels, if you're with eyes open and ears open, there's not a more beautiful man in the world. There's not a more beautiful man in the world than Jesus. And just think about why. Why was because he used his body with purpose and character. Think about Jesus. He, he, look what he did with his body. He, he touched lepers. He healed and sat with the sick. He, he fed the 5,000. He, he knelt and washed the feet of his friends. He carried his body with this beauty of serving and loving God and serving and loving us. And he completely redefines beauty. But he goes a step further than that because he didn't just come to be this incredible example and redefine things for us. He also came to give his life the beautiful for the unbeautiful, to give his life the beautiful for the ugly like you and me. In other words, he, he, Philippians 2 would say he emptied himself of his glory. Part of that glory was his beauty. And he emptied himself of his beauty and became a servant, even a slave, going to the death on the cross that he might die for those of us who feel ugly because from the inside out we are. And the only way you're ever going to feel beautiful is to look at a man who is the most beautiful man who ever lived and to know that that same man is absolutely crazy about you, the unlovely mess that you are. And not only is he simply crazy about you, but he literally loved you to death. In other words, to feel truly beautiful, it's not about being the right weight or shape or size. It's about seeing the weight of your worth to God. This, um, I was thinking about this. Uh, like about two years ago, we got the scale from Amazon. I was in a fitness phase where I was trying to like run and uh, walk, really walk, let's be honest, run, walk. And uh, so I had this new scale from Amazon, one of those glass scales. And it's pretty, you know, pretty accurate. 
And uh, something happened where my wife, I guess she was picking up a minute, but she dropped it on her bathroom floor and, like, shattered into a million pieces. I mean, like, you could still, like, it was still together, but it was all shattered on the face of it. And I remember, like, I thought it was being funny at the time. It wasn't funny at all when I went back and found it. But on Instagram, I, like, took a picture, and I was like, the only thing that can make this better if it said too much shame, ha, 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 and it was not funny. <laughs> That's clearly evidence right now. <laughs> and, uh, but I kept thinking about that image of that scale. Because the reality for me, I don't know you, but the reality for me is I really do find my worth in, like, my weight. So if I step into that scale and I feel the right, just the right range, I feel pretty good. If I step in that scale and I feel above that range, I really do kind of hate myself. And there's a sense in which, like, the, the, thought, the, the thought that I couldn't shake is what if you could weigh the weight of your worth to God? And the beautiful image is it would shatter any scale on earth. Because the weight of your worth to God is infinite. So infinite that the creator of the world came in his beauty and gave himself and died this ugly death. That you and I, the unlovely, the ugly, might become beautiful in him. It really is the greatest love story in the world. I mean, like, we watch The Notebook a thousand times. And the thing that gets us about The Notebook, or maybe the thing that, like, makes us hate The Notebook is like the story behind it that we long for, which is this love story the Bible gives to us. And that's one of a passionate lover. We just sing it. That's why I love singing The Sands of Time Are Sinking. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He takes me into his house of wine, and he loves me. He's the lover of my soul. I'll close with this. I love doing weddings. Um, I mean, they're hard work, but the moment that makes it worth it every time. That I, like, I get, because I'm doing it, I get the front row view. And it's the moment when the doors, I mean, it's the moment we're all, like, stand up for, but it's the moment where the doors open, and here comes the bride, and there she is. And I get to see the groom looking at the bride. And let me tell you, I have a friend that says, there's no such thing as an ugly bride. Why? Because if you could see her, the way he sees her, like it'll make it'll make you cry. And there's a sense in which that's how Jesus, you belong to him, that's how he sees you. And the beautiful thing about belonging to him is he not only sees you this way, but he's inviting you into this marriage that is actually going to make you more beautiful like him. And that's our hope. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Lord, I, uh, I pray that that we could see, we belong to you, that we could see ourselves the way you see us. Lord, some of us are here and uh, we're not sure if we belong to you. Lord, would you show us this sort of powerful love that the only thing that will ever heal our problem of feeling not beautiful, guy or girl, would you draw near to us as the one who is the lover of our souls and would you draw us to yourself in this deep and powerful and beautiful way. And Lord, for those of us who really are struggling tonight. I know some of my friends here are really struggling just with the way that they're seeing themselves and handling their own bodies. And Lord, would you be gracious um, in a really special way tonight to draw near to them and give them hope, uh, to give them strength, to help them share with friends maybe things they need to share. Lord, would you move amongst us by your spirit in beautiful and powerful ways. Even now we pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen.
Is it really this cool to be? 